0: We're continuing, I believe this is week six in the series, The Spirit-Led Life. Thank God for the Holy Ghost, right? Thank God for the mighty Holy Spirit. So as you look in the Word of God, one thing we know, Jesus said this in John chapter 16, verse 13, right? He said, how be it when the Spirit of truth is come? He will guide you into all the truth. Well, we know in the next chapter, he tells us what truth is. He says, thy word is truth. So we know the Holy Spirit is who guides us into the word of God. We know the Holy Spirit is who brings revelation knowledge to our hearts of the word. And as he does that, we know that the word of God is a lamp to our feet and it's a light unto our path, right? Do we know that? So what's so very, very important is that the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals everything to us. You can't even know and understand the Bible without the mighty Holy Spirit revealing it. So then he says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, he says, whoever is born of God, right, is led by the Spirit of God. So we know that we have the right as children of God to be led by his Spirit. We also have the responsibility of that. And then he tells us in verse 16 of Romans chapter 8, he says, the Spirit himself bears witness with my spirit or with our spirit that we are children of God. So we see, we went back in other, these are foundational scriptures of this whole series. Then we go back to Proverbs, right? In Proverbs, what, twenty twenty seven it says, the Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord it's he it's god uses your spirit to enlighten you and guide you we're not led by the outside we're led by the inside it says he searches all the inward parts of the belly so we see then then we go to proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and we see how it all kind of works it says trust in the lord with all of your heart so we know that being led by the spirit of god starts with this you got to trust him with all of your heart. That means I'm completely dependent upon him. I'm not looking to try to figure this out in my own strength. I'm not looking at anybody else. See, that's what I love about faith. That's what I love about God. God doesn't have to take from one to give to another. He blesses both. So in your business, you don't have competition. You just have a thief in the earth. His name's Satan. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But pray for your competitors because they can't stop you. The blessing of God on your life will bring you to the top. If you're an employee in a company, the blessing of God will bring you to the top of your profession. Why? So that the world could look at you and see Jesus. Right? So it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. So I don't rely on my own ability to try to figure something out. Have you ever noticed in life, there's a lot you just can't figure out, right? You're going through life, where where do I work? Where do I live? Who do I marry? Who do I hang out with? What do I do? There's a lot of these things that are not just, just good or bad. It's, you know, hey, both of these job offers look great. This one is a little bit more money than this one, but be careful. Remember, you're not led by money, you're led by the Holy Spirit. Because with God, you never go backwards. Even if you take a job because he's directing you for less money. Boy, have I done that. You know, wow. But I'm so thankful because it was, it did, that didn't last long. He was positioning me there to catapult me somewhere else. God always, the path of the righteous is one of increase. So we lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we acknowledge him. And then the Bible says, now we're positioned, we're positioned where he can direct our paths. We've learned in this study from Jeremiah that it's not within man to direct his own steps, that we're to walk literally in the presence of God and fellowship with him, full of his word as we present our body a living holy sacrifice. What that means is we kind of beat our body black and blue. We tell it what it's going to do. We don't let our body dictate us because we understand, as a born-again believer, my spirit man's brand new. My spirit man wants to serve God, but my flesh, I don't, have, I don't have that glorified body yet. Right? It has that sin nature in it. It's always trying to pull me another way. So what I do is I present my body a living, holy sacrifice, and then I make sure that I'm not being pressed into the mold or the pattern of the world. This is Romans 12, 2 but I'm being transformed into the pattern of Jesus that I'm getting revelation of as I'm reading His Word and as I'm studying and meditating in His Word. So I see that step number one is I've got to make a decision where I am going to put this Word, God's Word, first. It is the ultimate authority in my life. Does that make sense? So now, if, if everything outside is telling me Man, don't you, you better not do this, but the Word of God tells me to do it. I don't care what I'm seeing out here. I'm following God's Word. I don't care how I feel about it, right? I don't care what anybody else thinks about that. I'm going to follow and submit my life to the Word of God. When I do that, it moves my life into a position where I'm living in His presence now. I'm not living for me. I'm living for Him. So now I'm positioned. The Holy Spirit-led life is all about position. Right? Everything is about position because, see, the Holy Spirit, He does not, and God, who He is God, He does not line up with you and I. Right? We line up with Him. He's God. Thank God, because He knows everything we don't. So now, as I live in His presence submitted to his word i'm in fellowship with him remember how we said this the leading of the holy spirit the guidance of the holy spirit it always begins when you live in his presence always and so now we see in scripture over and over again that he's able to lead people that are already moving so in order to be led by the spirit you got to step out of the boat so now as I'm I'm submitted to His Word, as I'm living in His presence and fellowshipping with Him, now I'm meditating in the Word, so I'm seeing, I know the principle, as I peer into the Word of God, I'm changed into the pattern, which is Jesus. So it's in this place now, where now I'm stepping out. I'm not just a hearer of the Word, but I'm doing it. And as I step, God writes His Word on my heart, reveals his plan for my life as I'm walking it out and see here's the thing guys have you ever been there you're walking it out and it and you feel like man this doesn't feel good it doesn't look good it looks like I'm going backwards and then two years later you're like oh my gosh I am so thankful that I just kept walking because I would have never been here right for me I had to take a job making less money, step out of full-time ministry, because I was doing everything except what God called me to do. I'm I'm like, Lord, I just, I I can't do this anymore. What do you want me to do? Tony, you need to get over yourself. Great. Right? Because ministry is really hard when you're working and I'm not working. And I'm like, God, I'm living in small-town Iowa. I miss the Pacific Ocean. I miss Southern California. What the heck? I've got to drive 90 miles to go to an imitation Italian restaurant called Olive Garden. (laughs) This is not right. (laughs) Right? What do I do, Lord? Go back into the corporate world. What? But had I not gone back and worked for a company making less money than I was making when I was 23 years old, I would have never got to Omaha, Nebraska, which is where God had been trying to get me. You know, I'm born in Chicago, and man, as a teenager, when we moved to Southern California, I was done with the Midwest. Yay, no more winter. I love snow when you look and you see Big Bear Mountain and you see snow on it. You're like, that's cool. Let me go to the beach, right? So, but now, he gets me to Omaha. I think I'm moving backwards, but I'm not. And he catapults me, and now... I'm, I, the, the sense I could tell you as you're led by the spirit of God, I, there's, there's such, I I can't even, I don't even know a word to say, but it's so fulfilling to be in the, in the, just right in the will of God. Oh, you'll fight big battles or you'll face big battles. You won't fight them because Jesus already won it, right? But you'll face bigger things, but you realize in this place man, I'm going to fulfill the plan of God for my life. I'm walking in his presence. Whatever I don't know, he knows. The Holy Spirit is with me. He does everything with me. Not, Not for me, but with me. And so now here I go. I'm stepping out of the boat. And now I'm walking out God's plan for my life in intimate fellowship with him. This is why being led by the Spirit. How many times have I said this? It's not a formula that you learn it's not a skill that you learn, it's a sensitivity that you maintain, amen? So tonight, I want to talk to you about your conscience, being led by the Spirit of God. Another big piece of this picture is you have to live your life with a, clear, with a clean and clear conscience, okay? Okay. Paul talked about it over 30 times in the New Testament. It talks about your conscience. You must maintain a clean conscience, a clear conscience to be spirit-led. If you don't, it's going to be very, very confusing. Does that make sense? It'll be very confusing. So your spirit, your soul, and your body each have a voice, okay? Conscience is the voice of your spirit. Now remember, according to the word of God, I am a spirit. I I possess a soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions. Right? And I live in a physical body. My spirit, the voice of my spirit, how my spirit expresses itself is my conscience. Right? Like if somebody came up to you right now, and said, I want you to renounce Jesus Christ as your Lord. Immediately on the inside of you, you'd say, I'll never do that. That's just that's your conscience. It's just, no, I won't do that. It's immediate. This is why you learn to instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Now, all we've all been there. God, God's prompting you to do something. What do we do? We don't, it's kind of scary. Because it's bigger than us, right? Because He doesn't call you to do anything. According to your ability, he calls you to do everything according to his ability, so it's bigger than us. So, a lot of times, we have to sort through some things to finally go, oh yeah, but in reality, we really knew what to do all the time. It's funny that way. But then we've got this soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. So, our mind, you know, that's a whole other story, how those work together, but The voice of your mind, your intellect, you could say even the voice of your soul, it's reason. So we reason things. That's how your soul expresses itself, in reason. It's the part of you that's going to go, well, if you do this, then this could happen, and what, what, if I don't do this, oh my gosh, well, maybe this. You can drive yourself crazy with that one, right? So then you've got your body, the voice of your body, how your body expresses itself is by your feelings. If you ever want a great example of that, just it's real simple, go get a hammer and just hit your thumb. And you, you will know, wow, right? Have you ever stubbed your toe? I mean, you just know, right? There's there's some feelings there. So remember, we're not led by reason. We're not led by feelings. We are led by what? We're led by the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So we want to maintain a clear conscience because your conscience could be cluttered. And we don't want to clutter it. Your conscience is going to be affected by your lifestyle, okay? If your lifestyle does not line up with the word of God and you're allowing a bunch of stuff, you're listening to a bunch of stuff that's contrary to the word, you're allowing a bunch of people in your close circle of friends that are not going in the same direction as you are, and all of a sudden you're starting to give into the flesh and you're doing some things, what happens is, is your conscience gets cluttered so you can't hear it it gets very confusing. God wants your conscience to be clear so that now you're sensitive and, you're, and your conscience, you, you instantly go, yeah, I need to do this. Or if you jump out into your flesh and you say or do something, what happens? You immediately go, no, that's not who I am, and you jump back. When guilt, shame, condemnation. Because see, there's, there's somebody in this room that beats you up more than anybody else in the universe. And if we, had, if we had a mirror, we could show you that person. It's you, right? So this is why church, man, you're never gonna come in here and have somebody come down on you, right? We don't need that. We need, we need to be built up, don't we? Because we beat ourselves, we do a great job beating ourselves up. Well, here's the thing, as you renew your mind with the word, you keep a clear conscience, and what happens? Immediately, when you start beating yourself up, you start going, man, no, there is no guilt, shame, or condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. You know, when Satan comes to you and says, shame on you, Tony, you're like, oh, no, 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 shame's not on me, Satan. My shame was put on Jesus, and I was made his righteousness. And that, that leads me out of where I am in a wrong place, into a right place. A cluttered conscience. Now, this is a deep theological statement from your pastor, okay? A cluttered conscience is the opposite of a clean conscience. Isn't that deep? That's real, that's deep. So what is clutter? Clutter. The definition, a crowded or confused mass or collection. Right now, you're probably getting a picture maybe of your garage, (laughs) your desk drawers, whatever, right? It means to fill or cover with scattered and disordered things that impede movement or reduce effectiveness. When I, when I was in the corporate world as a national sales manager, I remember the first time management class seminar I went to. And I'm kind of thinking, oh, this is silly. And then I found out how many hours a year people waste of their life looking for a pen. Could you imagine how many, t- how many hours you waste of your life only because you don't put things back where they should have been? You, you put it down and you're like, oh, I'll do that later. Ooh. Danger, clutter danger, right? We do that with thoughts. I am not going to let my mind be cluttered with a bunch of nonsense. When Satan throws a thought, I'm going to take authority over it. I'm going to cast that down right away. I'm not going to let it clutter, right? So this is what we're talking about. Your heart, it can become cluttered like a desk, like, like the Tupperware drawer in your house. You know, you open it and it's like, right? Right? If there's one thing that I don't allow in my life outwardly is clutter and I know people make fun of me and I, I just I'm like I know you know I mean my library in my office is in alphabetical order by subject on an Excel or on a Excel or number spreadsheet you walk in my garage it's all there I know right where it is he wants you to be free in your life so that you could be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wants to help you in all the minor areas of your life. Does that make sense? So here we go. See, they're excited about this. (laughs) So how do I clutter my heart? Here it is, the main reason. When I say no to the Holy Spirit, my heart starts getting cluttered. I'm at Hy-Vee, I'm doing some grocery shopping, and the Lord prompts me to walk up to a person and do something for them or say something to them or whatever it is, if I, don't, if, I, if I say no, now I don't have to physically say no. We can say no with our actions. How many times has the Lord prompted you to say something to somebody, and you've driven away and you've went back? That's good. That's right, I mean, I have. have. Have, yeah, Torian, Torian and I, yeah, there we go. So, so the rest of you don't really know what we're talking about, but Tori and I, man, but isn't it good when you go back? It's really good. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Things you put off, things that you procrastinate about are always going to negatively, negatively affect your sensitivity spiritually. So don't procrastinate. What do I mean? If the Lord prompts you to pray, pray now. Don't procrastinate and go, well, I'll do it later. If the Lord says, hey, listen, I want to talk to you about this. I want you to go to Romans chapter 3 or I want you to go over here. I want, right? Don't say, well, I'll do that later. And it'll come into the natural end of it. Right? The Lord's prompting you. I want you to start working out. I'll do that later. Don't say no to him. This is how your heart and your life get cluttered. Saying no to him. So here we go, things you put off, things you procrastinate about. It'll dull you spiritually in the same way that you're up to here with yourself and your own plans and you're all about you, that'll dull you spiritually too. Realize this, it's all connected. What am I saying? The outside of your life, it's, it's, it's an expression of the inside. This is this is huge guys. This is huge. Proverbs chapter 4 in verse 23. You know Proverbs 4 verse 20 through 22 is the prescription on how we take the word of God. But it says in verse 23 of Proverbs chapter 4, it says keep your heart. This Hebrew word keep is translated guard. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it or out of your heart flow the issues of life this word issues in the hebrew language is the word boundaries god is saying the boundaries of your life flow out of your heart isn't that cool god he allows you to set your own boundaries He teaches you in his word how to widen your boundaries. Because here's the thing. If you're in trouble and you need money or you need something and you've got these blinders here, and, and so I've got this blinder, but my answer's here. Well, I could see everything here, but I can't see this. The word of God will do this, and all of a sudden I could see it and go, oh. So that's you want big boundaries because God has a big plan for your life. It's huge. The Bible says your eye can't even see the plan. Your mind can't even come up with what it is, right? God has prepared something so big for you, it takes the word of God revealed by the Spirit of God to show you that, and then it'll take the Spirit of God to lead you into it. But remember, Satan drives you. The Holy Spirit always gently leads. He won't ever violate your will. He leads you. We must stay sharp, sensitive, we have to stay alert, and we have to stay very aware spiritually. So think of it this way, a clean conscience equals a sensitive spirit, okay? So if you think of creation, God created everything in balance. Your physical body, what is disease? It's your body getting out of balance, right? So what about the earth and all the systems in the earth? It's all about balance. When things get out of balance, it's not right. Even if you look at the whole creation, it's all balance. If the earth is just a little bit closer to the sun, no life on the planet. If it's just a little further from the sun than it is, no life on the planet. God holds everything in balance, and the Holy Spirit will keep you in balance. So if right now, see, we've all been here, you know, you you, you get living your life for yourself or whatever, you get out of the word, all these things, and all of a sudden you find yourself sitting here going, my life is really out of balance. Rejoice, don't beat yourself up. Rejoice, because God will put it back in balance. All you gotta do is say, here, you got to say, okay, I'm going to let go of this thing. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to follow you. I'll do whatever you tell me to do, and I know you'll put my life back in balance. Now, get ready, because your flesh won't like maybe some things that God will want you to do. Your spirit will love it, but it will always produce life. The Bible says as we live out of our spirit, it's life and peace. It cannot produce death if you live out of your flesh. It cannot produce life and peace. It can only produce death. So, let's keep going with this. The creation account in Genesis. Literally, if you study this out, it literally is God diminishing chaos and bringing order. And when he had done everything, then he created man and he put him here. So, literally... God is into diminishing chaos and creating order. Everything he created is that way. So now, see, the problem with this world, why are there tornadoes? Why are there hurricanes? Well, you know, God's judging this city or that country. Really? Gosh, where's that in the Bible? Because I don't know. No, God's not even holding the mass murderer's sins against him right now. The Bible says God was in Christ not imputing man's sins. God's taken everything and moved it out of the way so that now during the church age, man could come to know him, be born again, receive that sacrifice. God is not judging and wiping out towns and doing all this stuff. No, 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 no. No, why is that? That's Satan. That's the God of this world. That's why a tornado's coming at your house. Speak to it, tell it to leave. You've been, given an, you've been given authority in the name of Jesus, and you have authority over those things in your life, not somebody else's life. You'll see when Jesus comes and sets up his millennial kingdom on this earth, there won't be a hurricane, there won't be a tornado, there should be no earthquakes, nothing. It'll all work in balance and order. You know, there's a guy, there's a ministry down in Texas, he's created this big cylinder that would imitate the the atmospheric environment of the earth before the flood. And if you raise, if if you put a rattlesnake in there and raise them, and that rattlesnake gives birth and has baby rattlesnakes, and, and what they do, the rattlesnakes that live, they've done studies with this, where they'll take the venom of that rattlesnake, and if you look, uh, you look at it underneath the microscope, Pastor Edmund would really get into this. So you take, first of all, you take that, you put it under a micro- microscope and look at it, the ones in the cylinder. And then you take rattlesnake venom from just a rattlesnake anywhere else, just living out in, in our environment now. Well, the one that lives out in just the natural environment with the current atmosphere of the earth, it's shaped like a honeycomb, but it has all these jagged edges and it's, it basically, it's It's very toxic. But the one that lives in the cylinder, it's like this honeycomb that's totally smooth. The venom actually is antiseptic. It's real interesting. Now, that's just with our natural. Could you imagine? The Bible says the whole earth is, there's birth pains going on waiting for the children of God to manifest in the earth and for Jesus to come back. So God. God wants your life in order. You might be sitting here going, but pastor, you don't understand. Man, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. And I've done this. And I made this mistake. And I was in prison. And I was doing this. And and God says to all of that, behold, I make all things new. So if you could fog a mirror tonight, it's not too late for you to fulfill the plan of God for your life in the earth right now. This last six months of 2019 should be a time of increase and you seeing increase in your life, an increase of joy, an increase of peace, an increase of finances, an increase of health, an increase of you walking out your plan, which, I mean, you'll face some big things and you'll overcome every one of them because he's already won the battle. It's the way it is. See, this is the gospel. Jesus took your defeat and gave you his victory. So that's why it says in 1 John, whoever's born of God overcomes the world system. Mm -hmm. And the victory is our faith. We're fully persuaded that what God says is true. So, Paul, I'm just going to read four references that Paul talked about of his conscience, just to kind of give you a picture here. In Acts 23.1, It says this. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read them. I just want you to read them. You could put them in your notes. Acts 23.1 And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. What? Wait a minute, Paul. You had, when you were a Pharisee, you had Christians killed, thrown in jail, but Paul's saying, no, I li- I've lived in all good conscience. Listen, that man died on the road to Damascus. See, Paul said, I forget what's behind me, and I press forward to the mark of the high calling in Christ. Get the rearview mirror out off of your faith vehicle. Fix your eyes on Jesus, don't look back. That's why Moses, when he's in the mountain, when he sees the burning bush, God tells him, take off your sandals because the place where you're at is holy ground. We read that and go, okay, well, he wanted him to take off his sandals because it's holy ground. Well, that's true, but the real reason, you have to study the culture of what Moses grew up in and what Moses knew now. In that culture that he was living in, whenever a person was gonna go from where they were to a new phase of their life, they would take off their shoes and they would not carry it into, because they were to carry nothing into their future. Tonight, I'm here to tell you, Just just give it up. All the mistakes, all the mess, give it to him and watch and see if he won't fix it all for you. Every bit of it. He'll fix things that you didn't even know was broke. The English translation of this scripture literally says this. Literally, it would say, my conscience is perfectly clear about the way I have lived before God until this day. This is the thing. You want to live a clear conscience before God. In Acts 24, verse 16, it says this. Paul talking about himself. And herein do I exercise myself. So Paul is telling you his personal training procedure. He's saying to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and towards men. Have you ever run into somebody that's mad at God or mad at somebody else? Paul says, this is what I exercise myself in, to never have a conscience that's mad at God or offended by him or offended by people. It goes on in 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 3. 2 Timothy 1, 3. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. You want to have a great prayer life? You don't want to get off and get all whacked out in prayer? Keep your conscience clear, because all prayer has to be stirred by the Spirit. It'll keep you in balance. Hebrews 13:18, Hebrews 13:18 says this, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. So now, go over, I want you to look at this scripture. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I pray this is kind of like a, a shower tonight. You're going to have to go back and listen to this message again and again. To be honest with you, about the 10th or 15th time, it'll probably get better. It's the way the Word of God is. What was the scripture in Timothy? 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 3. Paul talking to a young pastor. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 3, it says this It says, But I fear. Now, this word fear in the Greek language means to be cautious, aware, and diligent you could read it literally but i need to be cautious or i am i am cautious i'm aware and i'm diligent lest by any means as the serpent beguiled eve that word beguiled means deceived eve Mm -hmm. so i need to be very cautious aware and diligent Because as so so that I'm not taken away the way Eve was, because the serpent deceived her. How did he deceive her? Through his subtlety. Through his that, that word subtlety means craftiness. So that your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. When your conscience gets cluttered, everything is very confusing. When you are all about you, it gets very confusing. And, and here's the problem with being all about you. If, tonight, if you're sitting here and you're all about you, you probably won't know it. Because if you're in pride, the first manifestation of pride is blindness. So what do you do? I know every day, every day, when I talk to the Lord, I'm like, okay, Father, today I humble myself under your mighty hand show me what I'm not seeing and show me what I'm not seeing correctly. If there's any pride in my life, show it to me. And whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. I just, I, I want to get it out. It's, 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 this is how we live in a good conscience before God. So what is the simplicity that's in Christ? I'm really glad you asked that question. You guys ask the best questions. The simplicity in Christ is to live according to His Word, being led by His Spirit. That's the simplicity. I let the Holy Spirit lead me, and He leads me by the Word of God. So that's the simplicity. I live my life, I'm submitted to this. I live my life according to the Word of God, being led by His Spirit. And that's the simplicity. But... If I'm not cautious, aware, and diligent, I could be deceived by the enemy and all of a sudden, I'm going to be living this complicated life. Do I do this? Do I not do this? Do I need to pray more? Do I, I mean, Satan will push you to pray more because he loves when a Christian prays not in faith because nothing happens. See, there is no other option for us as Christians. That, that is our option. We live according to the word being led by the Spirit of God. So Hebrews chapter 9 in verse 11, we're going to look at verse 11 through verse 14 because it it brings out a truth because there's one thing that really is powerful that will keep your conscience clean, and it's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus will keep your conscience clean. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 says this, but Christ... Being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. Talking about the tabernacle in heaven. That is to say not of this building neither by the blood of goats and calves but by the blood, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats And the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. How much more, verse 14, shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge, or that word means cleanse, your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Isn't that awesome? The blood of Jesus cleanses your conscience. So what what is your part? It's simply to repent. What does repent mean? It means to change your mind. So if you're going your own way, you just change your mind. Guess what causes you to change your mind or repent? The goodness of God. See, so the foundational revelation of your life, if you want to grow spiritually, spiritually, It's not that you need to love God and you better do this or you better do that. Nope, you'll fail every time. The foundational foundational revelation is always going to be that God loves you, that he's for you, that nothing can separate you from his love, and that he's going to see you through to the end. So your job is simply to be willing and obedient. So very important. Isn't that simple? So now I want to talk about a scripture that is very misunderstood, it's in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, but this is foundational to our walk with the Lord. Foundational. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. In Revelation chapter 3, this is, there are letters to the seven, chapters of, or seven churches of Asia Minor. The first three chapters in the book of Revelation are the ones we really need to focus on because we're out of here before the seven-year tribulation starts. But these letters are amazing, but there's a scripture that is so important about being led by the Spirit of God. The second part of this study tonight, and we're probably going to keep going with this, is we're going to start talking about the importance. You want to live a Holy Spirit-led life. We've added tonight, you live with a clear conscience. That means you mess up, just repent. Change your mind. Stay in the Word. The sin's already paid for. But then you also have to learn... How to yield to the Lord. Everybody's talking about, you know, okay, I just need to hear the voice of God. No, you hear it. You just need to yield to it. So we're going to talk about yielding. Now, we use this scripture in Revelation 3.20, we use it so much for non-believers, you know. Hey, behold, I stand at the door and knock. But, you know, that's not written to somebody who doesn't know God. That's written to the Christian to the believer Jesus is saying this to the believer to you and I tonight behold I stand at the door and knock this word knock literally means a continual knocking Jesus is on the outside wanting to come in now we already know Jesus is on the inside of our heart in in the form of the Holy Spirit right he's in our heart But he wants to be, we're talking about, he wants to be in your finances too. He wants to be in your self-image and in your identity. He wants to be in your health. So he's standing at the door of your heart and knocking. It says, if any man hear my voice, notice it's up to the man to decide to hear the voice because he's talking to everybody. And... Not only hear the voice, but open the door. Only you, and only you can open the door to him for you. I can open the door for him for me. I can't open the door for Carissa. Does that make sense? You have to open the door. So he's knocking at the door. You have to open it. But if you will, look at what he says. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Wow. If you go down in the letter, it says, he's saying to the Laodicean church, man, if you'll open this door and you'll continue in me until the end, I'm going to have you sit with me on the throne. That's, what are you talking about? Well, Jesus is seated, you know, an oriental throne literally was big enough it had, where several people could sit. Well, Jesus is sitting on that throne. But the word's saying, man, I'll, I'll have you sit on that throne with me. That's pretty awesome. But you got to, Let's bring it all the way back. He's knocking tonight. What part of your life have you not given him? See, if you're hiding things from people, it's a reflection that you're hiding things from him. This is, if, you, if you're having trouble trusting people, it's a reflection that really you don't trust him. What? Here's a big one. If you're having trouble submitting to the authorities that might be in your life, your boss, your husband, wife. Notice I just said husband and wife, not just, right, husband. Because we're supposed to submit to each other. If, if, you, if you're having trouble in that area, it's revealing that you're having trouble submitting to God. Everything's reflective. So, so this is interesting. We want God. If we'll, if we'll open that door, he'll come in and sup with you. This word sup literally means he'll come in and have dinner with you and fellowship with you. Now that's pretty cool. So if we go to dinner, if you come to dinner at my house, like we've had, we've had Dave and Leanne over to our house for dinner. And you know what happens is we eat the same things. We drink the same thing. So what's on the inside of Jeanette and I is on the inside of Dave and Leanne. So what's on the inside of Jesus is going to be on the inside of you. Matthew 4.4 4 says, Man doesn't live by bread only, but by every word that what, proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, this is, this is intimacy. God doesn't make us do anything, Right? Everybody says, well, you know, if God wanted me healed, he'd just heal me. Really? How's that working for you? Because that's not in the Bible. God says he's already done something. You have to receive it. See, God doesn't make you do anything. Satan will try to make you do everything. If God, if he was going to make anybody do anything, guess what he would do? Judging from his character, he'd make everybody on the planet get saved. Because he doesn't want anybody going to hell. But he can't. He can't. He won't. He literally gave man a will and he can't violate that. If you want to live for yourself, he'll prompt you, he'll woo you, he'll tell you how much he loves you, he'll bring people across your path, he'll always be doing this, but he'll never force you. God knocks at the door of our heart. You hear that knock in your spirit. Man, I'm telling you, this is why you keep a clear conscience because this world could get very loud but oh it could be loud on the outside but it's so quiet on the inside hey tony i'm here i'm already here and i don't just want to come in and talk to you i want to come in i want to spend everything you need with you i want to give you your answer i want to provide everything You just got to open the door. What is his knock? It's his voice. It's his voice. See, he lives in us. He dwells in us. He abides in us. But we must choose to yield. This is how you got saved. See, you and I know how to yield. You know. At one point in your life, you yielded and said, Jesus Here's my life. You're my Lord. You yielded to that. It's the same way in every area of your life. Man, I'm so frustrated, frustrated with my career. Here you go, Jesus. I'm yielding to you. I refuse to worry about this anymore. Right? Whatever it is in your life, if, if you choose to yield. So, we fellowship with him in all the affairs of our life as we open the door and invite him in to fellowship with us. If, see, how you yield is this. Number one is if, if means are you going to yield or are you not, right? And, and we've, all, we've all not, that's no fun. And we all have yielded, that's awesome. But beyond that, when? When are you going to yield? Are you going to yield immediately? Or are you going to kind of... See, God profoundly called me to go to Bible school when I was 20 years old. I didn't get there till I was 30. That 10 years, those walks around the mountain cost me. You do stupid things when you're walking around the mountain. This is why instantly, man, when you trust him, you'll instantly obey. So when is a big question? Immediately or later? Immediately is the way you want to be. Here's the next one. How are you going to yield? Are you going to yield completely or partially? See, as you sit here tonight, as I'm here tonight, the God of heaven loves you with everything that he is. And he sees everything. He sees everything secret sin that you might be walking in that nobody else has ever known. He might know something in your past that you've never told anybody. He, it's right there. He sees it. And it doesn't move him at all. He loves you. He says it's no big deal. He says, listen, come with me. I've got a place I want to take you. Forget about all that junk. Right? And I'm telling you, God See, because we make mistakes, but here's another thing. We live in this world, and sometimes people are harshly and horribly abused and mistreated. Listen, if that's you tonight, somebody else did it to you, don't worry about that too. You give that to him, and man healed. When he heals, he takes away the scar. Because the reality of it is, when you were born again, you're a new creature, all that's left is the residual in your mind, and I'm telling you, he'll pull that out. I think of one lady that said, "I won't, he, after a service one time, she's coming to our church, and man, she just connected with me. And one night, on a Wednesday night service at Keywood Middle School, everybody's fellowshipping after this service, and she was standing over here, and she just had this look on her face. She was so unhappy. And I went over, and I said, hey, what's going on? And she goes, she goes, I'll, I'll never be saved. I'll, I'm going to spend eternity in hell. And then she just goes, because I will never, ever forgive, what, forgive my mom and dad for what my dad did to me. Her dad sexually abused her in front of her mom repeatedly. And she's like, I never, ever, ever will ever forgive him. So I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to burn in hell. And so I looked at her and I said, okay. I said, well, let's look at what the Word says. I go, the Word says for you to be saved and born again, you have to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. I said, you know, you've been around me long enough. I think you believe that. Am I right? She's like, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, absolutely believe that Jesus lived on this earth, died on a cross, was raised from the dead, and is in heaven right now alive. I go, okay. I go, you're halfway there. The only other thing you have to do to be saved is confess that Jesus is your Lord. It doesn't say anything about you forgiving your mom and dad. I said, why don't we just take the mom and dad thing and let's just put that on the shelf right now. Because I got to tell you, without Jesus, there's no way. It was like a weight fell off of her. And she goes, well, I'll do that. And she got born again that night. She's in heaven today right? And guess what? It wasn't very long. She's running up to me in church. Pastor, I forgive my mom and dad. Well, how could that be possible? It's called the love of God. See, guys, there's freedom with no strings. That's who we are as Christians. How you open the door to him Is you yield to him, you respond, and then you just act on his promptings. When you respond to him, this is what happens. When I respond to him, I throw him the ball. The ball is now in his court. And I love living my life with the ball in his court because that means I'm willing, I'm obedient. Now the ball's in his court. What's his part? He will ensure that I eat the good of the land. See, we want the ball in his court. But if you're holding the ball in your court, he can't do anything, right? The next verse, it says, to him that overcomes, this is a lifestyle of overcoming. This is a decision that you just walk out. Does it mean flawless? No. Bible perfect is wholehearted. It's not flawless. Okay? So here we go. To him that overcomes, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. And, and everybody just goes, Bleh. right? You got to get revelation of that one. I love that. So let's keep going. Verse 22 He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Wow. This is denoting intimate fellowship. Intimate fellowship. Guys, you know, I'm going to have to stop there because I want to I get into something else later. I think this is enough. I'm telling you, the Word is life. God has life for you. He'll help you keep a clear conscience. He'll help you. He'll teach you how to yield to Him. He'll teach you His Word. He'll heal your body. He'll fix messes in your life. His mercy's greater than your disobedience. And the mighty Holy Spirit is on the inside of you to lead you into all of it. Amen?